Today on F That, Faith Fantasy, Football, Sometimes All at Once, we are talking with Jason Chestnut. Jason can introduce himself, partly because I can't. Well, that's true, but I can also just say uh, it's great to be here. It's great to and, have you here. In Casa de Wispoy, right? That's right. It's good. The inaugural episode. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I came down on my motorcycle from uh, Baltimore. And I, uh, you know, kind of do stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I taught myself as like an itinerant pastor, preacher. Pastor. No, you do live in Baltimore. Storyteller. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I have a, I have a, I'm not, I'm not like nomadic. No, true story. Yeah. So it's exciting. We finally, it's, it's finally happening. What's fi- exciting about this finally happening and being here with you doing it is because you have a healthy appreciation for faith, fantasy, and football, <laughs> sometimes all at once. Wait, 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 wait to get the, the tagline in. That was good. You're welcome. Mm. The mm. faith mm. we're talking about is living dynamic faith, faith that risks by leaning into new questions, that listens to the world, the cries of injustice, and interrogates and expresses the responses and purposes of the living God. That's my take on faith. When we talk about fantasy, as big of a token, Tolkien, Tolkien? Fan as Tolkien I am. Sure. Yeah. No, my dog's name is Frodo. He's lying right over there. I feel you. We'll talk about that a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I mean sort of that American fantasy faith that Jesus is magic, mm. God at the limits of our sure. and understandings that, only when other answers run out kind of. Yeah, bullshit. and that and that God's really interested in like the 49ers winning every Super Bowl. <laughs> and in my case, the Giants. <laughs> no, but also you're talking about a faith. So the faith you're talking about is not the uh, accept Jesus into my person. Uh, accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior into my heart. Something, something he never asked anybody. To right. Know. Right. So and it's not faith... like this pious kind of, you know, saying the right things, not not swearing. Yeah. Um, That's not this podcast this either, this podcast. because there's going to be. We're not just called f that. There will be times where we throw up our arms and say. Fuck that. Fuck this, man. And sometimes, fuck that. Yeah, right. I mean, Sometimes, it's, it's, fuck that. It's all about the, where, the, uh, where the accent mark is. The emphasis on the appropriate syllable. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like how Trevor Noah says controversy. Right. We're talking about, though, that kind of more adolescent faith, the cheap grace faith, one that I certainly grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, that ultimately is, to me, a theology of privilege, one that we can only afford to believe when things are going right. And yeah. one that falls apart when they go wrong. And unfortunately, living in the United States, my thesis and the undergirding thesis for this entire podcast will be that the United States co-ops expressions of faith under the umbrella of the true dominant national theologies that the United right. States... Can we say some of the national theologies like like uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Would that be one of them? That's an expression. That's a creed. Okay. For me, the theologies are four big things. White supremacy, patriarchy, militarism, and consumer capitalism. These are the spiritualities that undergird the idea of the United States as a religious commitment. Yeah, it reminds me of like Dr. King's triplets right i was definitely inspired by that militarism racism capitalism that's right yeah and the truth is like the united states as a religion with its own testament and history that gives lip service to ideals of equality and love um but has yet to fully live them out in its history ever Uh, so it's not like the make america make america great again like we ever were that's going back to even more explicit white supremacy, more to the mustard gas. 
a year is where you know you could argue, as my friend Lisa Wolfrick says, we're in the the uh, carbon monoxide mm. years, but it doesn't mean it's not deadly. Yeah, th- that this is the silent but deadly version of it. Also, that idea, right? The the theology, the national theologies, is saying that like our current president and the current I would call it a regime in mm-hmm. Washington D.C. is not that that's like an that's not a uh, that's like living out our creed. That's like, right. Right. It's it's not like it's an aberration. Right. Like it's just being explicit. That's right. It's, it's fundamentalist. It's a creed based belief system that punishes uh, anything that steps outside and asks questions of it. Or because fundamentalism is always rooted in fear. You have to tow the party line. And we should say uh, we both grew up in, in fundamentalist uh, Christian communities. Right, right. And fundamentalist, for anyone listening to me, does not necessarily mean hardcore fire and brimstone. It right. can very much mean and more often does mean a wide swath of churches that simply, quote unquote, go along with the American life and mythos and theologies. Mythos, not ethos. I like that. There you go. I dig that. Uh, While neglecting to embody risk-taking stakes that might ever challenge the status quo. And this leads to, I think, the most prominent thesis, but also the source of our most entertaining discussions, which is that Football, particularly the NFL, I don't mm. care about college football. That's no, I its don't, own I, I other don't, yeah, yeah, shit show yeah. and goat rodeo. No, we're talking about the National Football League. The National Football League, to me, is, along with the armed services, one of the most prominent churches and denominations within Absolutely. this national religion that every Sunday for six months of the year, they hold church services. They own it, yeah. They reflect American identity back to itself, uh, through a sporting event, as my friend Bree Newsom says, uh, by weaving these four dominant spiritualities into the liturgy of the game, the yeah. white supremacy, patriarchy, consumer capitalism, and militarism. And, and specifically that, 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 that liturgy, um, uh, you know, post 9-11 paying, like getting paid by the Department of Defense, right? That's for right. these milita- for these military patriotic shows. That's right. Which didn't happen before. Didn't exist like, before. Players didn't even used to be on the field for the national anthem. So that's a perfect example for the kind of things we want to unpack yeah. on every episode of F that using uh, this dominant expression of our national religion as a jumping off point to talking about all myriad sorts of things that impact us in our everyday lives, our opportunities for us to enact a living faith or call attention to the ways that this kind of fantasy Jesus's magic faith is actively complicit in these destructive theologies. We should also say that we are, um, we are both football fans. Yes. And of course that, right. That core of the word fan is like fanatic. Like that's (laughs) right. True. So it's, it's both, it's both. And so it's like, I wonder if, if we go with this, um, this kind of image of the NFL being a church service. I think I probably grew up very close to the altar wearing uh, my 49ers red and gold. Um, And my grandpa would take me to church every Sunday for that. And so that's a big part of me. And sometimes I can't even separate that out from my grandpa, rest in peace, uh, uh, that he was such a big part of my life that I love football, partly because he raised me on it. That's right. And that's not to discount like fundamentalist churches like sporting events do 
appeals at, at just a primal level, I think, to a fundamental human need to belong, to be part of the shared experience. Right. And I am not here to shit all over. Right. I, the NFL, sporting events, everything as such, but more to, as James Baldwin says, because he loves America, that's especially why I reserve the right to critique it perpetually. perpetually. I am a New York Giants fan and right. have been my whole life was born in northern jersey right outside new york city mm. and the, Meta the meadowlands were that's right we're right there where all the bodies are buried <laughs> and um uh the new york football giants the new york football giants yeah, and the because, parlance uh, of chris berman that's right because the baseball giants then headed to san francisco it all comes around that's right you know so it's, that that's a good point and to say like i think maybe you're we're, you're touching on a little bit of a niche, a niche, a niche, um, that I think there's like one or two spectrums, right? It's either the, we're going to talk about football as this horrible thing that we don't really watch or even know about. It's like sporting, sportsy, sports ball. Yeah. And, but then, so we're not doing that because we have a, we have a pretty good handle on like what happens in the NFL right. and we like it. But then we're not doing the other side either where we're just like rah, rah, rah NFL and never talk about like what Colin Kaepernick obviously kind of started, um, you know, this sort of very specific uh, critique within the NFL right. of, of players who are, you know, who love the sport, who played it their entire lives, but who are also recognizing that there's, I mean, the shit's starting to stink. That's right. There's something, there's something wrong in the city of Denmark. Like, what is that? What is, I don't is, know that. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Shakespeare thing. Some rotten, some rotten in the state of oh, Denmark. Oh, yeah, I was in you know? Hamlet. Hamlet, fucker. Come go. on, man. <laughs> I just want to bring some... I'm the English major you know, I, I want to bring some uh, culture to this. All right, we're going to edit out my Shakespeare... Some white culture. Brain fart. Some white culture That's things. That's right. So, no, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I will identify... Right. So, a couple more identifiers. I, Seth Wispelway, am a cishet white man and i jason chestnut in the same and i am an ordained united church of christ pastor sure and i'm ordained in the uh evangelical lutheran church in america don't let the evangelical throw you off we're not evangelical no right you guys are the progressive soup ones it's true we are and to your point which i really appreciate I won't claim 100% fluency in all the ins and outs of what is going on at any given moment in the NFL. Sure. But we keep up and want this to be a place where conversation fodder yeah. is, is put out yeah. to pasture, uh, where we're wrestling with uh, what does it mean to unpack and try to deconstruct these dominant theologies. Right unpack and deconstruct what does it mean to live in a country where you can never fully escape them i want to at a future time and maybe with you talk about boycotting you know a lot yeah, of people should, are swearing off the nfl but yeah i have not made that leap yet i like playing fantasy football yeah, i know I, mean, I boycott plenty of things um i don't do that i don't draw attention to and I want to figure out why this isn't exactly one of them. Maybe it's because it's so pervasive that those who boycott will nevertheless be permanently made aware, just as we are of the current president, mm -hmm. of everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it, too, is like this, uh, you know, 
Uh, like so, last year I uh, had a friend, Derek, uh, who is a, a pastor up in the in the Baltimore area, and a diehard Steelers fan. He boycotted because he said he was going to boycott until uh, Colin Kaepernick was signed on by a team. Right. So that didn't happen, right. and so he boycotted the whole season. Um, I didn't, but I was just it made me think more about it. Right. So I think there is a there is a question there around um, what does it mean to boycott? Are we trying to like take away? You know, like the viewing hours of the NFL and the fact that, like, you know, Fox and, and ABC and NBC, like, like there's viewer ratings, which, of right. course, um, leads to advertising dollars, right. which may hurt the And NFL. those have gone down. They have. Of course, there was that sense, right, that, like, some, some people were, like, leaving on the other side of it. Like, they were, they were boycotting it because Kaepernick wasn't being, I don't know, publicly lynched or whatever. Right. Like, like they felt like he was getting too much slack for it. Right. Um, of course, now, you know, now, now what? It's a 15-yard penalty um, on the team, right? If anybody kneels during the anthem. That's, that's where it's at right now. No, they, they, they considered that and threw it out. What the policy they did pass was that everyone on the field has to stand for the anthem. Players have the option to not come out on the field. But if they do and they kneel. And then it's the a, team gets fined. Oh, it's not a penalty. So, yeah, yet, but, but for a while there, it looked like. Caring about black lives was the equivalent of unnecessary roughness. All right, which, or, which there's a there's a thing there, right? Oh, exactly. Like it I makes me. I tweeted it. <laughs> well, then it's done, man. That's right. I mean, it makes me think of like like when I first was learning, you know, the fact that like when you got an unnecessary, if you rough the passer, if you're gonna do it anyways, like you better rough him up. Right. right there's that idea like right. you're gonna get penalized 15 yards so you better make it make it count right exactly so I, I think there's something that we can go in deeper there but maybe you should talk a little bit about your sojourners piece well i've, I've been, been reading from, from it a little bit, bit. so in, in the run you've been reading from your own piece <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i think unless it's on a page ah, uh-huh. um so the in the run-up to doing this podcast i took some of these thoughts about you know our national religions uh, how the NFL is a huge cultural uh, embodiment of them, and then a challenge for folks to kind of locate themselves in their religiosities and whether they're doing so critically and being a part of uh, antidotes and subversions to these destructive theologies. And yeah. so I wrote it. You should you should give the uh, the title and the subtitle. The title was The NFL is a Fundamentalist Church and the Anthem is its Worship Song. Mm. And mm. The, the, the sort of parable analogy I was trying to tease out was that in this case, speaking of Colin Kaepernick, he was deemed insufficiently filled with the spirit. If you consider the anthem a worship song, you know, the, the lights, the money, the invitation to a fundamentalist church is exciting. They want you in the door. They want you, they want your money. They want your participation. Hands up in the air. But ultimately questioning the dotted line creed, like whether it's subscribing to women as less than queer folks as not fully made in the image of God, all these things that the church does, uh, many churches do, uh, that to me are so antithetical to true gospel witness. Right, and so he was you insufficiently... You will need conversion therapy. Right. Even though Cap first started just by sitting, and then he talked to like a Navy SEAL, or Green, Green Beret, Beret, former NFL player. A former NFL name. player, Green Beret, 
who then he came up with a compromise to kneel because, you know, in football from the very, very beginning when we're like, you know, little kids is that you kneel when somebody's hurt on the field, mm-hmm. right? You kneel as a way to like bring attention to somebody who's hurting or somebody that's broken, mm-hmm. which, you know, then like, so then Cap started to kneel. They thought very carefully about the optics that it would appear because he, he didn't draw any attention to himself at first. He was just sitting on the bench. Yeah, it was, the it was, optics it was were some, that would be sort of it was, it was more disrespectful. And I see right. that it was some know. Fox Sports camera guy who even like came across like like it wasn't even like in a preseason game. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, so it's like he wasn't, you know. So he was he was literally doing what the the right often tells black people and anybody to do, which is if you're going to protest, do it peacefully. And, quietly. and quietly and don't make a big deal about it which is literally what he did and what's so fascinating about this of course is that that peaceful quiet protest and the immense uh response from people to the right on the political spectrum washed away that prescription that they so often gives as oh, an actual reason so yeah. what form of our protest do you actually prefer? I saw one uh, prominent black writer say because, yeah, because um, literally, like, like, so we can't, you know, you, exactly. you, you have to be respectful, okay, and you have to be quiet, okay, right. and you can't be loud, okay. And in the seismic racist backlash, what that ultimately revealed then is where so many people's true church is it's the church of the united states absolutely superseding all because if standing for the flag matters more than black and brown uh, men and women being killed with impunity by forces of the state right by forces of the state by our tax dollars yep then what the fuck are we doing right and yeah fuck that man fuck that trademark Uh and also the sense of um uh so if, if if we keep going with this like the church is really the church of the united states then it's religiosity it's theologies it's creeds it's liturgies like like that's what matters so what we don't ever hear is that colin kaepernick was adopted and raised by white lutherans in wisconsin that's grew, right. grew up as a huge packer fan right that's right um and, and, Big and, Jesus yeah, person, too. He's Colin got all, Kaepernick all is, the tats. Yeah, he's got all Tattoos. the tats, right? Um, but that Colin Kaepernick is very much um, rooted within the Jesus movement. Like, he uses Christian language to to back up his his protests. Oh, and these same Christians, I mean, these same, I, I do want to avoid just, like, mass generalizations, except when I don't. <laughs> Um, but back when he led the 49ers on that kind of miracle run to unexpected Super Bowl run true. in 2012 into yes. 13, into 13. The yeah. Super Bowl was in 13. Oh, they were loving it. Oh, they and that gets at something I want you to speak to, which is technically a hypothetical, but one that is so concretely um, feasible that I do believe there's a parallel universe where it happened. And that is regarding Tim Tebow, who's such a fascinating source of, he is. of you know, his athletic skills. It's captivating. I would draft him on my fantasy football team, and I don't subscribe to his faith right. percentages because there is sort of that, it, there is something about him that gets at that Jesus is magic, 
spiritual juju that well, you're like, yeah. you don't know what he could do. And so he's since got I'm already playing fantasy football, why not like throw a ringer in there? Oh, man. Well, he, he's, got, he's got the face paint, you know, that often he would do like Philippians 413 yeah. on there. Because to me, he's um, almost the perfect embodiment of the NFL as a national religion. So, of course, but in a, dare I say, positive way, even though I think it's still that Teflon Jesus kind of thing. Right. As opposed to the other embodiments, which are more about uh, domestic abuse, right. lack of good health care. I'm getting off topic. No, no, that's good. Like, so because you, right. after I wrote my Sojourners piece on the NFL as a fundamentalist church, yes. you had this other thing that I want to see published, which unpacked another parallel parable. Right. It's, it is a parable. It's a hypothetical saying, well, what if Tim Tebow had knelt during the anthem publicly protesting let's say abortion. Right. Well, in that hypothetical, I said, like... This is for I, all the unborn babies... Who are murdered every year, right? right. Um, you know, that's using that narrative, right? right? The narrative of the right and their, like, their obsession with abortion. They would... They would freak. Who's they? Oh, right, so well, let's like, define they. Right, well, I think... Um, the 80% white evangelical voters... Absolutely. And, and, Bush and even slash... more... And even, even I think, even any Christian who may not be into Tim Tebow's brand of Christianity would, I think, generally be like, well, he has the right First Amendment. We, I, I mean, I might That's personally right. go into the First Amendment thing. But what I'm saying is, I think overwhelmingly, uh, white evangelicals, the right, Fox News, they would they flip their shit. Would they, they would fucking loved it. Everything about it. And not only that, but then you keep going with it, right? Um, the NFL owners will be kind of like pushing over, falling over themselves to sign this guy. Let's say that. Let's say he did it when he was with the. Well, uh, look, look at, at the, the Mets, Double A right, minor league team. team. They, they sell out like you know all their games just as the single A team did before them. They sell all this Tim yeah. Tebow merch as all he's on his march to try to be a major league baseball all player. Um, all of it. So. Yeah, going. and so I'm just like right. so, so that hypothetical to me, and then I, I I even went farther than that, and I said then it would be like I think him doing that would automatically associate kneeling with an act of prayer and an act Which of respect. Which he also used to do on the sidelines, absolutely, or the Tim or the T bowing thing, right? Oh yeah. Um, well, that too, like after when he would, he would do, would, like if well, you know when, when he like the the after three, he scored a touchdown, the three times he, he scored a touchdown, kind of a weird dab kneel, yeah, prayer mix, right? And so it's T bowing, right, or T bowing. Either way, oh. right? So there's all that, but I think that it would it would be so associated with it that like with our current president, all of it, that if you didn't kneel, God. then that would be seen as anti-Christian. Right. Like, why aren't you kneeling? Which again, then it gets to the whole Eagles team, which okay. you know, disinvited by our bloviated, bigoted child in the White House, is that no Eagles player ever knelt during the whole last season, but they did kneel at different times to pray. Many of them are Christian. Right. Um, Eagles players. So Fox News uses that and uses that kneeling thing to say, well, they were disrespecting the flag when it's like the idea of kneeling, and especially within Christianity, you kneel as a sign of respect. That's right. I think you would have seen, I don't know how many thousands in each stadium, especially if like oh, Tebow, Tebow came to play. Absolutely. If he was quarterback in a team, they would have been kneeling during the anthem. And kids. A national phenomenon. And yes. if he blew out his knee. At least depending on who is in the White House, a cabinet position or some UN mm-hmm. ambassador yeah. would have been like his for the taking. Absolutely. It's almost and crazy we even have to say this out loud. Certainly there's been so many pieces written about it. Like right. we live in a time where we're bombarded by these double standards 
And yeah. it's crazy making for one thing. Uh, if you sit with it for too long, it all in part because it makes you just question reality and your own values. And yeah. So speaking of, speaking of reality and values, then what if we went to from reality to fantasy, fantasy values? Like <laughs> if we're going to continue to uh, like we're both going to play fantasy football this year, we're not boycotting the NFL. That's right. Who so would Jesus to, draft? Who would Jesus draft? What are the values? First, I want to say what fantasy football has meant to me because sure. I was someone like the idea of it until about five years ago was maybe in the periphery of my awareness. And then it was this kind of laughable, you're just playing a made up game for right. made up points. Right. And yeah. I have to pay so much attention to it. And not only that, people are obsessed with it. So I was that guy. Sure. But then I was working um, for a, a global NGO out of their, and I was working remotely home office and commuting regularly to the DC office doing government relations and public policy, which is the majority of my career before getting ordained. Mm -hmm. And I was invited in. And the truth was, I, I'm an extrovert. I draw a lot of energy from people around me. And I was hungry and longing for camaraderie and needing ways to feel like I was feeling yeah. disconnected. I didn't feel like I was part of the culture of the organization. And um, so I got this invitation from my really good friend, Thomas, who's also going to be a friend of the pod, uh, who's an awesome data and numbers guy. Like he's someone I turn to and I'm like, who should I start this right, week? Right, as long right. as I'm not playing him. And so I got in my first draft. So for those who don't know, I hope you don't like tune out every week when we get to the fantasy football piece, because right. there's some real grist here. Yeah, there's, 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 there's multiple levels. To work with and laugh about. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it, but we yeah. also hope to provide viable... <laughs> Waiver wires. Waiver wire. Um, I know there are other fantasy football podcasts out there by people who study numbers all day and probably get paid for it. Sure. That's, but, not, that's not this one. But you're talking to people who are talking to Jesus. Right. <laughs> who, are, yeah. who are ordained to do so. So... We've got an extra line we're on the ordained. best waiver yeah. wire picks. We're ordained, motherfucker. Week in and week out. But to that first year, I was also talking to Jesus. Sure. And my very first draft, I never heard the end of this. I drafted, are you ready for it? I'm, I'm ready. Two kickers. In the first two picks? No. <laughs> no, I just oh, wanted, to go, I wanted to go the worst possible thing. So you, you drafted two kickers <laughs> in your draft. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't. That's amazing. And I, of course, understand now how ridiculous that is. But and I, of course, I didn't make the playoffs. I lost my first few games. Sure. Um, as 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 you should. But I was so hooked. I, it was such a life giving outlet for me. Mm. And similar to like what I think you were yeah. saying about your grandfather and the yeah. 49ers and having this ritual, to me, it was this outlet. The organization I worked for worked on forced labor, slavery, human mm. trafficking, and so also it was a pressure release valve. You for, needed something that wasn't like it's sort of like today. Right. Turn the, your the brain whole, off. Like, turn off the social media and go for a walk in the woods. Exactly, like, it's that sort of thing. Exactly, right? it's the reason yeah. I have dogs. They they require me to take Sabbath moments for myself that I won't otherwise take, and this was that necessarily kind of ritualistic outlet. And you know, add on top of working on human trafficking. And modern day slavery, I'm in the government relations department. So we're having to grapple with Congress, which is like a fucking goat rodeo on a good day <laughs> yeah. that 
they're yeah. always going to be up to something, and then you're trying to prioritize the voices. Of I'm the trying to imagine least what... of these and the halls of power. Yeah, you need to ask yourself, what is Eli Manning's chance of throwing three touchdowns this week? And, and and why am I such a homer on my fantasy? So I also yes. two kickers yes. and like six New York Giants, which sure. I also realized obviously it's terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, especially at that time, you didn't even have. Uh, it was the week after that. Yeah, I mean, like the, we're talking. I mean, 2013. So it had been the year, the the season after the second greatest Super Bowl of all time when the Giants beat oh, the, the Patriots undefeated, again. The undefeated. That Patriots. was 2008. Oh, excuse me. Wow, I got way off. Well, anyways. Well, you've got your team and I've got mine. So <laughs> I think we've established yeah. that that's me and fantasy football. And it's that camaraderie. It's that connection to friends and that ability. And so while so I, had, I had a seriously losing season mm-hmm. my uh, first year playing fantasy, but I was so hooked. And I started writing yeah. these mass emails and I would yeah. do my own joke power rankings. Totally. And that... It's a release, and you're not defending. Like, like I think, I think it's an important thing to say. Like, we're not trying to defend what we're doing, and any more than we're just saying like this is a part. This is this is what we struggle with, right? We struggle with yeah. like the uh, the liturgy of the NFL while also recognizing that we're kind of hooked, right? That's right, and yeah. I think that's an important acknowledgement to make. So we were talking about we were talking about fantasy football. Yeah, live in a gray area. Fantasy football is a way of staying connected to national conversations in a relatively harmless way. Yeah. And I think it's important to stay connected, to be abreast, to read what's going on, to know what's going on. Well, it's like... And it's weird to have this self-care mechanism sort of inextricably linked to something that is so dominantly right but it also gives us the fluency to talk about it and unpack it and you know judging by the response to the sojourners article which originated as a facebook post i wrote right there's something there that people want to wrestle they want to make sense uh like we are spiritual beings all of us are called to belong to something a larger story than ourselves what's tricky about the united states is those stories are so often chosen for us before we have an option. And so if you elect to go to church in the United States, talking about the regular church now, not the NFL, right. a, a, a faith body doesn't have to be a Christian church. You are often attending one that by default or oftentimes very intentionally is just kind of going along with American life. Well, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, 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 defender, it's defenders of the status quo. Right. right. And so that, I think, is one of the, the biggest pieces of, right, uh, my bishop calls them stained glass country clubs, right? Right. Or like the sense of, or how Nadia Boltz Weber talks about it, uh, an Elks Lodge with communion. Right. So if we have these civil American religion spaces where football reigns supreme and July 4th is the, is the high holy day, and these right. sort of things. Well, the Christian church, in many ways, um, goes right alongside it. And so it's, it's baptizing demonic policies, right. um, you know, kids being ripped apart at the border right now. And it's not just, of course, I want to say like... Uh, to clarify for any like literal, you know, people who hear things literally, kids are not being ripped apart. 
Oh, excuse they're being, me. Kids ripped apart by ripped apart from their families, from their from their parents. Though the way Trump is going with his dehumanizing language. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, but, that's uh, the start of it. Either way, the point is, I mean, I would say that like people who go into church buildings, that's right, and they're oftentimes used to seeing an American flag next to the table, next to the altar. And of course, all that right is like German Christians during World War One who are like, whoa, 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 right. we're not with the Kaiser, no, we're, we're cool. American, right? Yeah. Um, of it course, would be, of course, it would be yeah. like a mosque feeling the need to put up a picture of the two towers to say, like, never That's right. forget, That's we're right. cool. Yeah. Like, it's it's that, I it's didn't like realize that, that was the root of yeah. American flags and churches. Yeah. But this gets at the very thesis of the podcast, and then we're going to talk about who would Jesus draft. Right. Obviously, the Jesus thesis would... thesis being that the United States is a religion. It has spiritualities and creeds that undergird its testament in history white supremacy patriarchy militarism and consumer capitalism i think the way of jesus and his lived life is an actual explicit inversion and subversion and yes. antidote to yes. each of those and we can unpack that further yeah, but it's, it's diametrically opposed to the That's way the of american United States civil religion. And so it's in the United States' interest to suppress Absolutely. and make vanilla, <laughs> no pun intended, All right. the any expression of so-called Christianity. So we give you tax-exempt status. That's right. Run your little nonprofit. We call ourselves a Christian nation. And, and even, so even, even though, even if you went with that, which of course it's bullshit. Right. Like most of the founding fathers were deists. They're not Christian. Exactly. Um, but the idea being to like say like you're safe here, freedom of religion. I'm not saying the First Amendment is a bad thing. No, because it's great. there are oppressed religions. You should be able to worship freely. Right. But this but gets to like this gets to the sense of Christian supremacy. That's right. Right. Which There's, is kissing cousins with white supremacy. Absolutely. Um, and and, that's and a thing. white Jesus, and a white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Aryan, exactly. European Jesus. And so from the word go, the Christian church, assuming it is one thing, I believe there are multiple Christianities, but from the word go, the Christian church is, is given zero stakes and given a whole lot of benefits. Mm -hmm. And so if you consider that the way of Jesus... Our Lord on High mm. is diametrically opposed to the dominant destructive theologies of the country in which we are actively yeah. worshiping. Yeah. Then they, you they, have they... to punch, you have to fight to find stakes. Mm. And as soon as you do, that's going to cost. Right. I'd love to see what so happens like... actually if you strip tax exempt status, but consider Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, and how much the FBI hounded him. Right. And and that sort of thing. I mean, I mean, hounded, terrorized. Uh, that's right. Uh, you know, it's a miracle and, he got anything done. When you fully read, right, how much uh, the U.S. government was up in his shit. Absolutely, and to recognize and sabotaging too, it. Yes, actively sabotaging so, it. So so American civil, uh, United me. States civil religion, national religion, and the Christianity that is typified in the Jesus movement of the first century. Right. Those two cannot exist side by side. Right. They, they, they're not compatible. Right. And we that, are Constantinian. That's right. So the minute that Constantine, quote unquote, bapt, was baptized into 
the Christian religion, right? It's like it's like one of my professors said, you know, Constantine, at that moment, Constantine didn't convert to Christianity. That was the moment Christianity converted to the empire, mm, right? That's good. So then, from that point on, 3rd, 4th century CE, then we have American understandings, we, excuse me, we have empirical understandings of Christian doctrine that is not from below, mm-hmm. which is the first three centuries, mm-hmm. but it's from above. It's from the oppressor right. who is then seeing Christian dogmatic understandings from a, from a point of view that Jesus could never have understood. Right. Uh, an undocumented non-citizen right. who did not speak even Greek. Born to an unwed teenage mother. Right. Living in the shadow of empire. In the backwater. Like Judea right. was a in an, shithole. In an unimportant part of the world, as my friend Reverend Seku says. Right. And what we claim to profess is that, I'm, I'm borrowing again from Reverend Seku, that person defeated the empire, and that's what we call Easter. And so this is where the United States analog is really germane again because we have some of these wonderful documents uh, uh life liberty uh, certain unalienable rights all men well mm-hmm. are created equal right pursuit written of by a slaveholder who also needed to so you'd say like thomas jefferson in a sense as the constantine of white supremacy so th- That's the american best. church the american yeah. christian church has to fight to find its stakes and that is hard. And I think part of how we get there is by naming all these things we've been talking about honestly. So here's a funny thing. Speaking of the gray area, uh, I have I have real boycotts I do in my real life on a personal level. I've been part of efforts to encourage people to support businesses before that um, do uh, invest their money and policies in life-giving ways. And then I have boycotts at a fantasy football level, which is probably the lowest stake. So I want, before people mock me, I want to hear that I recognize that this is, I am self-mocking first and foremost. So when it comes to draft time and fantasy football, I will pass players over based on moral signifiers (laughs) that... I realize are arbitrary in the first place because it's fantasy football. Yeah, the, the stakes are low. And hypocritical in the second place because we've already just said this is like some crazy corrupt system, but it's, it's also loads of fun. So for me, you know, I believe if you draft Tom Brady, the angels cry. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, you know, as a fan of the Giants and the NFC East, this isn't so much a boycott as more saying I'm going to have a hard time, you know, uh, drafting and having a, a, uh, an explosive Dallas Cowboys player on my team because I don't want to be in the, put in the position of cheering against the Giants right. at a fantasy football level. And, but, and, and the, 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 one of those explosive Cowboys players is also another piece of it that he's, uh, you know, a domestic abuser. And that gets at the more serious reasons sure. I will pass over folks. So for folks like yeah, Ezekiel so, so my, Elliott my, or right. any player on the Washington football team, uh, which will go unnamed here. Yeah, the football team from DC. With the racist. Um, yeah, so on my on my on my no stakes at all, I won't I won't I won't ever, you know, draft anybody from the Seattle Seahawks because they <laughs> are part of the NFC West. 
and uh, they are. Uh, I never want to be in a position to have to root for them in any in any case. I want right. to I want to see them lose every game ever. Right. You know. But also on on a on a higher level uh, or on stuff with more stakes is like yeah, domestic abusers, um, rapists like Ben Roethlisberger. That's right. right. Um, who just they get these free passes that again right. Colin Kaepernick is demonized to no end right. but other things will let go right right I mean whether because then all of a sudden it's a subtlety again then right. it's all of a sudden like well we don't know exactly what Ezekiel did we don't know exactly right so right. all of a sudden now we have subtlety right but with Colin Kaepernick it's like no he hates the troops and he shits on the American flag every morning right. for breakfast I, I do also feel like maybe this year I think my name's gonna be something around the national anthem. It's gotta be. Um, yeah, that's know, gonna maybe. be that's gonna be a thing. I we've already seen some NFL owners say the Jets they uh, will pay the fines gladly, yeah. and that's a great segue Especially for because, a future episode. To yeah, talk because about. I mean, how many NFL owners gave a million dollars or more to the Trump campaign? A ton of them. I don't Kraft, know the numbers. The Jaguars guy. That's right. Um, oh, a lot of them are Trump supporters. Totally. Um, like, the t- like the two of them that are not white men. That's right. Maybe as a branding exercise for my leagues, I will just name my team if Yahoo lets me. Fuck that. Or fuck <laughs> this. Yeah, right. I appreciate that. So did we fuck that today? I think so. I mean, I think... Or did we fuck that up? Oh, man. Seth, you're, just, you're too much sometimes. It's good. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to being in front of the pod, so thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for um, helping me flex yeah, this initial conversation and getting some of the yeah. heebie-jeebies out. I like it. I mean, uh, and then we're going to edit this, and it's going to be great. I love being here in Charlottesville. Um, I'm going to go fly my drone later and get some shots of the city. Do it. Uh, but uh, we'll, I'll come back in and uh, join you again in studio. Faith, fantasy, and football, sometimes all at once. Thank you.